Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Welcome back to Saturday Mornings. Uh, a recent uh, study was put out by the conference board, and it is uh, well, putting aside the critical question of whether China would opt for military action against Taiwan, even as a last resort. Uh, what would a Chinese timeline for any kind of reunification look like? Um, several factors, it is believed, are involved in that. Joining us now, uh, someone who is, uh, was involved with that survey and, and that white paper that came out, David Hoffman the Senior Vice President for Asia and the MD of the China Center for Economics and Business, a part of the conference board. Uh, David, uh, good morning. Welcome to Money FM Saturday mornings. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. It's great to be with you, although, you know, you've dissed Dr. Strange. I don't even know if I can continue <laughs> talking to you. Really, well, please. Not me, David. I haven't seen it yet. It was Mr. <laughs> yeah, Bear Jackford. Okay. I reserve judgment. I, I didn't say it was anything other than I wasn't, like, super, super impressed with it. I mean, I'm, I was impressed with the tech and everything they did, but I'm just not a huge fan to begin with, so I guess sure. that's, that's... So me. clearly you are, David. <laughs> I, well, I do like Dr. Strange. She's one of my favorites, but uh, I'm actually a Thor and Silver Surfer person. Okay. Um, anyway. Go. All right. Awesome. Hey, first of all, give us a give us a quick paragraph on the conference board for uh, those of our friends who may not be familiar with what you do there. It's a fascinating organization. Well, thanks very much. Uh, the conference board is a business think tank. We're a hundred and. Uh, 17 years old now, founded in 1916 in, in New York by a group of 10 CEOs who at the time were, were, were befuddled uh, and concerned deeply about labor unrest in America. Um, and they needed an independent, they wanted an independent research organization to study these labor issues of the day and inform them with the facts they needed to address them. And we Engaged in the first study, cost of living for the American worker. It had never been done in the United States. Hmm. Um, and through the course of that study, contributed some of the early logic to the consumer price index methodology. And I tell this wow. story because it's sort of what we do to this day. The, the 10 founding members would come to our office, convene around the conference board table, and discuss these issues peer-to-peer in a private setting. And to this day... We produce independent research on the most pressing topics of the era for business and convene leaders to discuss these issues and formulate solutions. David, it's, it's amazing that it goes back over, you know, over 100 years uh, and that, mm. that people had the foresight to uh, – of course, we all know that there were labor issues at the early part of the, the 20th century. But to have this actual group come together and, and propose solutions and things like that, a very forward-thinking group. Uh, let's, let's come forward now to uh, Taiwan – uh, Ukraine, a pragmatic assessment. So this just came out, this publication came out on May the 4th um, from the conference board. Tell us, uh, give us kind of an overview of what this is, because we're all fascinated by what's going on in Ukraine with Russia and what possible implications that might have for China and Taiwan. Sure. Well, you know, our mission is to produce insights for what's ahead for business. And um, when Russia invaded Ukraine, very quickly a, a, a meme or a narrative developed that there was a straight line between Russia's action towards Ukraine and China's mainland China's intended action towards Taiwan. Hmm. And I was being asked this a lot. So I lead the conference board in Asia and I'm 
talking to you from Portland tonight, but normally I'm in Singapore. Right. And um, and we got a million questions. You know, what does this mean? Is this real? What do we? How do we think about it? And that that was the genesis of the piece. And the piece unpacks um, the 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 mainland China Taiwan issue and. And in our view, in a pragmatic view, my view really, in this particular instance, it's, I wouldn't say it's an institutional view of the conference board necessarily. I basically outline the logic uh, to suggest that, you know, it's very unlikely that kinetic, kinetic, t- kinetic action would be used against Taiwan at, at any time. And there really isn't a straight line between these two events. And for a number of reasons, um, the timing is actually really terrible hmm. if China if if indeed China intended such action it would be the worst possible time so for that reason for these reasons alone a business can't be complacent but they don't need to sort of say, you know think this is going to happen tomorrow i mean that was the intention of the piece so david just to follow on from that you're suggesting mm-hmm. in the short term the near term you don't see anything happening with regards to taiwan but you don't necessarily rule it out indefinitely i mean of course you have to look at china in a bigger picture china's history goes back thousands of years and it was the world's biggest superpower for many many years apart from the last couple of hundred years and there's still very much a thinking within the chinese narrative that Taiwan will eventually return, as it were, to China. So are you just saying the short and near term, or do you see it being a long-term approach where the status quo will remain? Well, uh, the, the China Chinese leadership um, considers the re- reunification of Taiwan to be a, 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 an absolute objective at some undisclosed point in time. The current leader, President Xi Jinping, has said on several occasions that this is a, a this is an issue that cannot be delayed indefinitely. Um, so that again doesn't suggest anything's going to happen tomorrow, but it does suggest there's a certain amount of impatience, at least with him and perhaps a broader set of the political elites, elites in China. Who knows? Nobody can possibly know that. Um, but the point here really is to try to assess, you know, China has many tools it could use short of invasion and occupation type tactics mm. to try to bring Taiwan back into the fold, if you will. Um, my logic in, in assessing this situation now is that three things will uh, will necessarily point to the fact that this won't happen within the next five or seven years. And I think many other intellectuals who think about China, who work on China, think that, you know, the 2030s are perhaps going to be the more dangerous period in in this regard. Firstly, even by its own reckoning, China's military is not yet ready for an invasion and occupation type action. Um, it, um, it, it, it simply put, it doesn't have the combined force capabilities yet. So army plus navy plus air force all combined. And there has been a major restructuring of the PLA underway for about seven years now that's designed to remedy that. But it's, it's not even there yet by China's own reckoning. Um, they're targeting actually 2035 for this to be, you know, a, a, a capable 
uh, force capable of fighting and winning wars. They're trying to accelerate that, but even by their own reckoning, it's delayed. Second, China will, if it was to choose to do this, and again, that's a huge if, it would probably pick a time when the West was divided and dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And right now, because of Ukraine, that's the opposite, I think it is safe to say is true. And last but not least, um, I think China is now witnessing the extent and depth of sanctions being opposed on Russia. And these would be absolutely devastating to China. Um, the logic, uh, the, the people who would refute me on this would say, well, it goes both ways. China is interconnected heavily with the global economy. Therefore, sanctions are the West just as much as they hurt China. That is true. But if we're talking about a wartime scenario, that will happen. And in fact, there's even legislation in Congress now in the United States around a provision that if, if, if mainland China behaves aggressively towards Taiwan, these sanctions will be immediately triggered. It won't be up to the deliberation of the White House or anybody else. They mm. will happen. So yeah. for these three reasons, I think, you know, my view would be it's not going to happen soon. That doesn't mean business and policymakers should be complacent. Right. But, you know, it's it's uh, probably not tomorrow. Indeed. We're talking with David Hoffman, Senior Vice President of Asia and Managing Director of the China Center for Economics and Business at the Conference Board. Uh, a new report out that David is the author, Taiwan Does Not Equal Ukraine, A Pragmatic Assessment. We're going to put the link for that report. You can download it uh, in our Facebook Live uh, comments page if you do want to see that. Uh, David, let's come let's come back to the business angle. This, this story to me has two angles, right? The, the military uh, angle, uh, as you've just discussed uh, mm-hmm. around. China's military readiness, but also the business element of it and and what it is doing to even have these discussions, as you mentioned, this meme that came up about the straight line between Ukraine, Russia and China, Taiwan. Um, it, it has it has caused jitters in the business community, not the least of which across Asia, but but further on, especially when you consider uh, TSMC and chip, you know, chip makers in Taiwan and places like that and the problems we're already having with global supply chains uh, when it comes to uh, microchips. Uh, tell us about the business impact that this discussion is having uh, based on, on your report. Yeah, well, well, businesses are highly dependent on their Western businesses, I mean. Actually, most businesses around the world, Western or even Southeast Asian, are highly dependent on China supply chains and for chips on Taiwan source, sources like TSMC and others. Mm-hmm. And so COVID, the COVID pandemic alone taught us that we need more resilience in our supply chain. This is an urgent um, uh, necessity. It's made even more urgent by geopolitical developments and the many uncertainties that, um, that exist. And we might call them gray swans, but some of the work I've done at the conference board confidentially for our members has been to sort of outline the many possible gray swans that could, you know, really disrupt business between China and the West. So right now there's elevated tension, Mm. but business continues. It's just more complicated and costly, but it's getting done. There are things that might happen that would actually put a hard stop on that, that would see sanctions issued where business just has to stop. And um, the Ukraine uh, 
situation now is an example of a gray swan where, you know, China is tacitly sided, if not overtly sided with Russia, not necessarily, they don't necessarily condone the invasion, uh, but they're, they don't, you know, they don't uh, blame it on Russia, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it is potentially a gray swan in motion. What it may do is reposition China in the minds of Western lawmakers in Europe, in, the, in America, from strategic competitor, which is what many of them think today, hmm. to adversary. And as soon as that happens, things can change. The, the get tough on China regulations that have been kind of you know, sputtering and in debate in Congress or in the European Parliament – may just flow through and we'll see more technology restrictions, more human rights sanctions, stronger enforcement of all these things. And that could be very disruptive. So business needs to plan for this, that we used to think of it as being unthinkable. It's not unthinkable. We need to consider downside scenarios, unfortunately. Um, Again, they're unlikely, but they're increasingly plausible. It's such fascinating Mm. insight, David, I have to say, you know, But you're saying it yourself. We have to plan for it. We don't know when or if, but we have to plan for it. We think it won't be short-term, medium-term, but we can't rule it out either. And you also said businesses have to straddle between the U.S. and China. And that talks about Singapore specifically. You know, uh, Singapore and ASEAN, we're right at the center of that. How does a country like Singapore and Southeast Asia navigate this uncertain time ahead? Well, Southeast Asia is in maybe a little bit of a different position than Singapore, but the way I see it geopolitical, geopolitically is that China and the West are in a competition of systems. In fact, four or five years ago, we had held one of our China CEO council meetings. It was called One World, Two Systems. Janet Yellen used that in her Atlantic uh, Council briefing a few weeks ago. I think it's a term we might have come up with initially, but we basically have two systems here, China's authoritarian state capitalist system and the West, you know, uh, open market democratic systems competing with one another. And both systems have strengths and weaknesses. We're not making a judgment here about which one is better, worse, right, wrong, so forth, but fundamentally they're incompatible. Fundamentally. Uh, in many important ways. And one place that can potentially bridge these incompatibilities is Singapore. Um, And so it may be that we're destined for a more bipolar world um, Mm -hmm. where you kind of have a Chinese block and a Western block and the the systems connect, but they, you know, it's complicated. Singapore is one place in the world where where potentially these systems could actually connect in in meaningful ways. And I I think um, there are are many in the Singaporean leadership who, who see this as a possibility as well. David, it's a, it's a great topic, yeah. and uh, we certainly hope maybe when you get back to Singapore, uh, we can have you come in the studio and uh, we can discuss these sure. and other issues. We're putting the link to the conference board report, uh, your report, in our cool. Facebook Live page for anybody that wants to look at it. Um, and, uh, and, of course, on your website, there's lots of great information about the conference board and what you guys do. Uh, but super happy to have you with us today. David Hoffman, Senior Vice President of Asia and Managing Director of the China Center for Economics and Business at the conference board. Thanks for being with us today and joining us from uh, the west coast of the u.s thanks guys a real pleasure 
Have a great Fantastic. weekend. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.